0: May I speak in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, this has been another tumultuous week in the history of our nation. Following on from the protests over the death of George Floyd, in Bristol the statue of slave trader Edward Colston was torn down from its plinth and thrown into the docks. He had been commemorated for his philanthropy. His money brought great wealth to Bristol. But that his money was made from the slave trade had been conveniently forgotten too often. Many people are hoping that this act, finally, will signal a turning point in the history of this nation. There is hope that people who had suffered at the hands of white power, Ignorance and indifference will be listened to, and that we can all think about our own prejudices and how to overcome them, bringing justice to those who have been ignored, making this society more equal and fair. I had a pen friend for 12 years who was a victim of a gross injustice. He was executed by the state of Ohio in America. He was a victim of a justice system that was heavily biased against people of colour. Those on death row were often poor or uneducated and couldn't afford the legal representation they needed. They were given attorneys by the state, but many of these were indifferent and failed to do their jobs properly. Marvellous, a black African-American had lived with his mum and older brother in Dayton, Ohio. He had been an exemplary child and sang regularly in the church choir. But when Marvellous was 17, his brother was shot dead by a local gang. That's when my friend's world collapsed. There was no support to help the family. Marvellous couldn't cope with his feelings. He got in with the wrong crowd and began a life of drugs, alcohol and petty crime. On Christmas Eve 1992, four young people, including my friend, who was 19 at the time, stole a car and started a spree of indiscriminate robbery and killing, which lasted three days and left five people dead and four wounded marvellous often describe life on death row to me it was a life of confinement in single cells with metal or concrete furniture bolted to the floor the constant noise was terrible there was no natural light perhaps worst and most dehumanizing of all the guards called prisoners by their number not by their name I began writing to Marvellous in 1997, when he had been on the row for four years. At first, he explained how he was so messed up and couldn't deal with his emotions that he couldn't talk or communicate with anyone. But that gradually changed as he said that he got a handle on himself. Then came the news which sent him into depression. His mother, his only visitor who he loved very much... Had a stroke. The next letter I received from him said simply, my mother has passed away. Marvellous made beautiful artwork and from time to time sent me colourful pictures of flowers. He wrote poems. Disarmingly honest in his letters, love and warmth came through. He was open to new experiences he just wanted to live. He was a model prisoner, always helping others, but knowing when to keep out of the way. I told him that I believed in him. That is not to say I condone what he did. He was a murderer, and there was no undoing that. But I gave him hope in a place where there was none. He wrote, It feels really good when you have someone in your life who cares about you. I can be myself when I talk to you, which I love. But in this place, a person can lose who he is without even knowing it. But his case was not looking good. He had lost all his appeals and he doubted he'd get clemency. Two months before his execution, he wrote to say how sorry he was. He accepted responsibility for what he did and only blamed himself. He encouraged me to keep positive and he hoped that we would get a few more letters in. In his last letter, he thanked me for my friendship and the joy it had brought him. On the 21st of July 2009, Marvellous was executed by the state of Ohio. He was 36 when he died and the thousandth person to be executed by lethal injection in the USA I tell marvelous's story because it's a story of a man whose life was thought to be disposable the moment he set foot in that prison the die was cast against him it's a story of a man who had so much to offer who was failed on so many counts and who was deemed worthless His execution cut off any chance of being able to forgive, and of being forgiven. His life was written off by the state. Black lives do matter, and not just black lives, but the life of every human being who has suffered oppression at the hands of others. Some of these people are hidden in plain sight. When we consider who mines the minerals needed for our mobile phones, where our coffee comes from, where our clothes come from, and start to untangle the supply chains. Often right at the start of it all is someone in a far-off country who is living in poverty. In the Gospel for today, Jesus sends his disciples out on a mission. This is a mission of healing and proclamation that the kingdom of God has come near. That there is no conclusion to this story as there is in Luke, where the Seventy returned with joy, shows that Matthew was treating this mission as ongoing. The sending out wasn't a one-time event, but something that carries on in the lives of the faithful to this day. The message that the kingdom was drawing near was undoubtedly good news then, as it is for us. The kingdom brings justice. God's justice, where the world is conformed to how God intended it to be in the first place. That the disciples were sent out with nothing makes them vulnerable. They even were forbidden staffs with which to defend themselves from robbers and wild animals. They were truly at the mercy of others. The only thing they had with them was their complete trust in God. This vulnerability, this nakedness, was a sign to others of their commitment and their faith. The only thing they could do was to be alongside others and listen to their stories, while bringing God's justice in the form of healing to those who needed it. Justice isn't going to come without a struggle. In the reading from Romans, St Paul speaks of the consequences of being a Christian, there is often suffering of some sort. This may be physical, psychological or economic suffering. It may, as it did for many of Paul's audience, also come with loss of status in society. But out of this struggle for the justice of the kingdom comes hope, the hope of sharing in the glory of God. Imagine a world transformed by the love of Christ, In which respect, tolerance and love, rather than violence, power and superiority over others, were the bywords of human existence. A world in which we are not on the defensive, but instead go to others open-handed and defenceless to seek how we can be together for justice and peace, with just the gospel for our guide. For the disciples, proclaiming the message of the kingdom undefended was a matter of giving priority to what really matters. We learn from them that the lighter you travel, the more room there is for the things of God. Just as Matthew intended the message of the kingdom as an ongoing proclamation, let's pray that the current shift in attitudes, which is bringing hope to so many, will not run out of energy as it has done so many times before, but instead be a prelude to lasting change in which we all begin to reflect the glory of God. Amen.